I am Alex and welcome to my podcast, Physics Empowering People. Here I have conversations with physicists who work on cutting edge research applied to help solve humanitarian issues around the globe. Today I bring to you my conversation with Professor Omululu Akinjo, a condensed matter physicist from Nigeria. He earned a master's degree in physics from the University of Ibadan, Nigeria, and a PhD in physics from the University of Delaware. Instead of staying in the US, he decided to come back to Africa and apply physics to solve humanitarian problems such as the energy crisis in Africa. Now, he is the founding director of the East African Institute for Fundamental Research in Rwanda, which opened in 2018. It is an international hub for advanced research. Thank you very much for being here with us today. Could you please talk a bit about the research you're doing at the Institute? Okay, so um, at the Institute, we have three main research areas. One is in high energy cosmology and astroparticle physics. The other is in solid earth geophysics. And the third one is in condensed matter, which is the group I belong to. In high energy cosmology and astroparticle physics, we study problems related to the universe, uh, problems that, that everybody wants to understand and know about. For instance, the origins of the universe. And why do you have these large scale structures and how were they formed? Meaning the galaxies, how were they formed? Why is everything not uniform after the Big Bang? And so there's a group um, studying that. So these are people in the cosmology and astroparticle physics. Part of the group also studies, um, is making a search for a new Higgs boson. So the Higgs boson is, um, if, is what gives mass to elementary particles. And one was discovered a few years ago at CERN. So uh, one of our researchers is looking for other Higgs bosons um, in the universe. So that's what we are focused on in high energy physics. In geophysics, is more along the lines of volcanoes and earthquakes, um, studies related to that. And then in condensed matter is along the line of electronic structure. Electronic structure is wide. It's basically um, how electrons um, govern the behavior of materials. Okay. And one of my other colleagues is working on calculating how the nucleus moves around um, in systems. These studies are important, for instance, to know what is happening with ozone in the ozone layer or how catalysts behave at the fundamental level. So these are some of this research that we are carrying out at the East African Institute for Fundamental Research, um, IFA. Thank you. That's very intriguing, actually. A lot of these fields can definitely be applied in medicine and a lot of biotechnology and so on. So yeah. how did your PhD and your research experience in the US shape your research interest? What made you choose condensed matter physics? Okay, so when I first went to the US, my interest was mainly in many body physics. Many body physics means not just a single particle. You look at many electrons or many particles interacting together. And so that was my first interest, based on the fact that this is an area that is important in superconductivity. Um, then later on, I got to know about electronic structure and that this is very important. Electronic structure is basically um, the energy of systems that have electrons in them. Um, and it's a very difficult problem to solve. So this was, this was just my interest. Um, put it this way, an intrinsic interest. I was just interested in this. Um, so these were the things I was interested in. And then when I got to the US, I found a supervisor who was interested in something related to this. He was really interested in electronic structure. 
and then we began to work together and work even on in condensed matter physics. He's he's primarily an atomic and molecular physics person, and this was what I did mostly. But then we began to apply to condensed matter system, mainly to water, um, to solve the problem in water. The problem in water is that most liquids, when you hit them, they expand. But water actually, when you hit it from zero degrees, it contracts up to four degrees. And then after that, it begins to expand like it should. So there's no model currently that predicts this behavior, except models that are fitted to produce this. So what we were doing was developing models to be able to explain this and predict this. And then after that, I now moved to Boston for a postdoc. And then at Boston, my supervisor at Boston for the postdoc, he very intelligent person and he was interested in finding new ways to solve problems in electronic structure without too much computation. And by working with him, I began to, I developed a deep interest in that. Like, we already know that if you solve Schrodinger's equation, you will get the exact energy, but Schrodinger's equation is very difficult to solve. Um, there's no exact solution except for the hydrogen atom. So people have been um, developing other many ways to solve them. And these ways are very expensive. So what I learned from um, my supervisor in Boston was to think of ways to solve this problem without too much computation. And um, so that has been the main thing driving what I've been doing. And then along the way, I began to, because I met some other people like Professor Walesho Boyejo, who's at WPI, um, Worcester Polytechnic Institute. And then I, with him, he began to uh, teach me how to think about applying the physics I'm doing to solve um, problems in Africa. Because then was when I came back to Africa, we were here working on problems in Africa. He is in material science and engineering. And then we had to interface. And then that was when I began to think of how to apply the methods I'm developing to um, problems that affect us in Africa a lot. Yeah, thank you. When you became a physicist at a young age, did you already know that you wanted to come back to work in Africa and solve the problems? No, no. Actually, when I began to do physics at a younger age, it was just interesting and exciting, and that was why I was doing it. It was fun to solve the problems. Um, the problems are an infinite number of problems that you could generate and just ask people questions about. In chemistry, the, the problems seem to be limited, like, there's a certain number of problems that are in chemistry, in my opinion. Okay? But in physics, it seems you can always design a lot of problems. So I was interested, and it was fun and exciting. And then also my dad, um, he's a physicist. He, has, he had a student that was also very nice and helpful to me. So I developed that interest. So I wasn't thinking about um, solving African problems or returning to Africa or anything. I was just doing it out of fun. And, excitement. So when you first started to work on physics to start solving problems in Africa, what was the first project that you worked on? Okay, there were two main things. So one was, by the time I went for a postdoc in Boston, um, I had to think of my next step, meaning to become a faculty. So I began to think of which areas I could apply um, my skills in. So one of the areas I found then was in um, 
applied to a drug called cisplatin. It's an anti-cancer drug, actually incidentally discovered by physicists. And it was effective against many cancers, but against some cancers, it wasn't effective. And also, um, the potency drops after a while. So the thing I was interested in doing that was to find out uh, why the potency drops, okay? And it was interesting that you could use methods of physics, quantum mechanics, to try to answer some of this problem, together with some classical mechanics, molecular dynamics, things like that, and try to answer this problem. So that was like uh, when I was transitioning from, say, from the US to Italy, ICTP, before coming to Africa. And then when I go to Africa properly, there are a lot of students who want to work on problems related to Africa and solving African problems. So with this professor I mentioned, who was also in Africa, then we began to think about problems related to solar cells. So this was, after coming back to Africa, then this was the major one that I began to work on. Um, I still worked with a student on the problem of cisplatin and cisplatin transport. Actually, I worked with two students um, at separate times on that. But also we began to look at problems related to um, solar cells and developing um, better solar cells. So one of those problems, one of the first few ones was um, modeling a solar cell, how to predict the current voltage characteristics and the efficiency of the solar cell from pure theory and computation without going to the lab to do that. So those are the problems um, I started working on related directly to human activities. That's very important given that many rural farmers in Africa do not actually have access to electricity and things that make our lives so easy. So I think one particular problem that Africa faces is that it's really affected by climate change despite contributing the least towards it. Do you think if climate physics is an area that your institute will begin focusing on soon? Okay, yeah, so that's an interesting question. Actually, when we the, started the institute, we found that some other people in Rwanda are working on things related to climate science. And so we didn't want to overlap um, with them. But over time, we began to see that there's a lot to be done in this area. So together with this group um, in atmospheric and climate science, we organized a workshop together with also scientists from ICTP Trieste in Italy. Um, ICTP is International Center for Theoretical Physics. So um, last year, in towards the end of March, sorry, towards the end of April, we organized a workshop on climate science and climate modeling, which was very successful. And we have plans to work together to um, continue to train people in climate science and climate modeling. Incidentally, this group also, they have some climate observatory that they are using to um, collect data, um, ground data. It's important in Africa to have not only satellite data, which many people can have access to, but also ground data. So when you combine the ground data and satellite data together, then you have something powerful to make uh, predictions in Africa and also globally. Yeah. Currently, your research is on quantum dot solar cells. If you had time, what other research areas would you like to pursue? Okay, yeah. So um, currently, I started working with a student on applying the method of machine learning to superconductivity. So the problem with superconductivity is it's very hard. In fact, I would say nobody knows. It's very hard to 
know which materials will be superconducting at the goal is to find a material that's superconducting at high temperatures, meaning say room temperature or beyond. And it's very hard to know which elements to put together to form such a material. So one thing people are doing, or a few groups, actually there are like two groups, they are working on applying machine learning to be able to predict the superconducting temperature for different materials. So with the student, I we began to work on this also. So if you count groups, then we are probably the third group in the world working on trying to apply methods of machine learning to superconductivity. So this is one important area of physics that um, we are working on. Um, there are a couple of other areas which I think is important. One is in the protein folding problem, um, meaning you take a protein and in seconds it folds. But so the question is, how does the protein know what folds to fold into? They are like um, 10 to the say 23 uh, different configurations are possible, but how does it in seconds sample all those configurations and choose a particular one? So that's an important problem that people are trying to solve, which I think is important also. It has application in say biotechnology, in medicine. Yeah. And also the problem of electronic structure is still important. Um, if you give me a piece of material, I should be able to tell you the behavior of the material, like the heat capacity, um, heat conductivity, without um, doing any experiments. So those are important problems that I think we should work on. And they have important applications in material science, but also in the medical um, sciences. To be able to um, design drugs, so already people in drug design, they use some of the models from physics to be able to tell whether a drug will bind to a site or not. So these are important. And if you can do it very fast and very accurately, and this would be great. And these are some of the methods that we are working on developing. Yeah. Of course, there are also other areas in, say, high energy physics that, out of curiosity, we want to know what is happening. Um, like the origins of the universe, uh, what happened at the beginning, um, harmonizing all the forces that we have in the universe. For instance, in the past, people thought electricity and magnetism were two different forces. Now we know that they're two sides of the same coin. And later on, Abdul Salam um, and Glashio and Sheldon, they unified electromagnetic forces together with the weak forces, electroweak. So it's interesting to see how someone could incorporate gravity into that and see that gravity, electroweak force, and strong forces are all part of the same thing. Uh, so those are interesting problems that we'll, I we'll wish I had time to be able to work on. So like people say, uh, so many problems, so little time. Yeah. Time is definitely of essence here. Speaking of time, one of the main reasons why you came back to Africa was to stop the brain drain towards Western countries. What is your vision for physics in 10 years time in Africa? Okay, in 10 years time, so what I want us to do in Africa is to have a lot of people in Africa um, doing research at the cutting edge, like doing high level research, cutting edge research. To be frank, I hope it will be, because the population of Africa is going to grow as predicted. And I, the hope is that it, it will not remain at the same percentage of um, scientific um, knowledge and expertise that we have. As the population grows, we hope that the 
amount of the number of researchers you have, you grow much more. So that if it's like one percent now, it won't remain one percent even as we grow. That it's one percent now, it will be ten percent. But just a large number of people that are doing um, important research at the cutting edge and working hard, thinking deeply to solve many of the problems that we have all over the world. I want to thank you very much again for taking the time to answer your questions. I'm sure that the audience would love to know more about the physics and how it is exactly being used to help the industry. Again, science is a really important economic engine. Thank you very much, Alex. It was good to talk with you. Before I end this podcast, I just want to add a little reflection. For many people, a major reason to study theoretical physics is to answer our childlike curiosity or why do things happen the way that they do in the universe. However, like Professor Akinojo, who learned computer code by writing them out with pen and paper, many people find theoretical physics as the way to make a difference in their lives with only pen and paper, without needing to rely on advanced and costly technology. This is my time to start making a difference with pen and paper. All we need is perseverance.